on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Job Dean Cox again, this time he's in. At the second time of asking, Dean Cox takes Leighton Orient a step closer to Wembley. Carroll. Jonathan Tahue. Capable of anything. Tahue! Equaliser for Leighton Orient! We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the best Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orient from each end Lay an Orient Well, good evening, everybody, wherever you may be. Welcome along to another edition of the Orient Hour. I'm Andy Gilson in the Brentwood studios of Phoenix FM, joined by a wonderful crowd of people here in the studio. To my right, we have Richard Priest. How are you, Rich? Good, thank you, Andy. Good man. Opposite, the lovely Karen Harrison. How are you, dear? Hello, Andy. I'm well, thank you. Good, good. And, of course, ah... It's, it's Mr. Personality. <laughs> He's done a great job last week sitting in uh, for us, and that's Trevor Singfield. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good. I'm glad I'm the other side of the desk this week, Andy. Thanks very oh, much. Uh, yeah. hope you had a good holiday. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I mean, I think I, I, I don't tempt fate, but every time I go to Wales, I end up either with a, with a speeding fine or a parking fine. And um, I think this time I might have escaped both. Um, I'll probably go home and get something in the morning. But um, yeah, last time I got one for going um, 30 miles an hour. And I didn't see the sign for 20. And they, the police there said, well, it's the same numbers in Welsh as it is in English. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Three points for that, That was which was good. Talking of three points... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, seamlessly done that, wasn't it? Did you, did you see what I did there? Didn't um, yeah, talking of three points, Rich, uh, uh, I think satisfying would be uh, one way of uh, describing uh, Saturday's performance. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think I've from, I mean, I watched on the stream, but first 30 minutes, I, I was thinking this, this might be the end of the run here. But um, after that, to be honest with you, I thought we were by far the better team, especially that second half. Um, but Barrow are a good team. I can see why they're why they're where they are. Um, they had a couple of good wingers. I thought. I mean, you know, looking at the team that was picked, um, it was obviously disappointing to see James was out and Jordan Brown was coming in at right back. So I was unsure a little bit how that would go. Um, Sweeney in again, um, and I think for the first sort of twenty twenty five minutes, I thought a pair of them not struggled, but they were they had to get into their stride a bit because I thought that both of them were very good in the second half. Um, but yeah, I mean, I say after the first 20, 25 minutes, I, I was a bit concerned. I thought, well, I'm not sure we're going to come away with anything here. And I would have taken a draw, actually. But um, yeah, I mean, as soon as the, the first goal went in, I thought we sort of dominated the game, took over after that. And it was a great performance. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the easiest places to go to, is it, Karen? No, not at all. And uh, it was nice to see that the... Well, it wasn't nice to see, but to, uh, when, you, when you saw that the uh, stadium wasn't 
changed much. It was like, I'm glad I was watching it on the stream in the supporters club, getting ready for my sister's 50th birthday party. But um, it did look like, you know, to start with, that Barrow brought it to us. And um, with Pete Wilde being on the coaching staff with Richie at Oldham all those years ago, he probably knew that his tactics and how he'd maybe want to play it to start with. And then, you know, something happened at half-time, didn't it? And it changed, and we definitely were the better side in the second half. Yeah, I mean, we seem to have some quality in depth there, Trev. And, I mean, a lot of people said it was the sort of match that Orient of Old would have lost. But that first 20 minutes, you're going to get this away from home, aren't you, with teams coming at you? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, the the first comment you said, the Orient of Old, I mean, there was a, a comment on our WhatsApp chat um, on Sunday and it said we now got to learn to win as fans because that's what the team are doing so you know it's very easy to say oh we're going to lose this one you know we every well most football fans are pessimistic aren't they but as a club now the team's winning the fans have got to learn that yeah we're going to win these games I mean going back to the game you, you look at it I think Jordan Brown had more touches in the first 20 minutes of that game, and he has an entire Orient career. I mean, he played very well. I mean, I said to my son, we ain't even heard Moncur's name up until 25 minutes. That's how much they had us under the cosh. But he'd done a lot of the dirty work as well, running in midfield, doing the hard work with Mel Mazzuni as well. And, and like I say, Sweeney was very good. But Barrow, a team, obviously the way they were set up, they've won seven, lost three, no draws. So they were... It's pretty black and white to be there, go out to win every game. And if they get beat, they get beat. And like most people said, they are going to be there and they're around in the top seven for a little while yet. We don't know what their strength in depth is, but their manager is a very positive manager. And uh, the logistics of getting to Barrow are difficult, as a hell of a lot of people found out this weekend. Mm. Yeah, not helped with other problems going on. But, uh, I mean, the, the people who made the trip, you can, you can only applaud them. I mean, uh, I know Darren's not here. He's going to try and get here tonight, but uh, he's certainly not here at the moment. But uh, he was one of those who made the trip and uh, not the easiest of places to get to, Karen. No, not at all. And what with the uh, last train being cancelled and they all had to make their way to Lancaster and then Preston, I think it was. It was a good old schlep and well done to everybody that did it. He's not still there, Darren, is he? Yeah, <laughs> oh, possibly, possibly. But... Um, as I say, it's, it, we said about the Orient of Old losing matches like that, but you know, when you go away from home, you, you know, you're facing your own goal a lot of the time, and, and we're going to get this more and more often as teams decide to, you know, they've seen you play, they've, they've done their homework on you, and you know, we've got to learn to win ugly, which I think we've, we're doing um, at times. It can't always be nice passing football, but. There's a resilience there, Trevor, that's been installed by the management and, and it's coming to the fore there. They're just getting harder and harder to beat, aren't they? Well, that also goes down to another comment from Moncur. He goes, it's the best dressing room he's been in. Now, let's go back to last season. I don't think you would have said it was the best dressing room he'd ever have been in. So the, the atmosphere obviously in and around the club is a hell of a lot better than what it was nine months ago. So that also makes you more resilient. And then when you sort of turn the clock back, the, the eight years to the Slade era, um, the amount mm. of one nils we had in that season and you had uh, the centre-half, the Blomfitter, I can't remember his name now, he would block everything, you know, and they were just putting their bodies on the line who was Nathan Clark? Yeah, yeah, he was phenomenal that season. The amount of times he puts last ditch challenge, and, and you can see the same thing 
happening now. I mean, we alluded on the programme last week, Richard was very confident. But that resilience is coming to the fore. And like you say, the, that was Barrow's biggest league crowd for a long while, 4-6. I mean, and you can actually hear on the stream some of the abuse Archibald was getting, this, that and the other. And, and they were out to wind him up because they know he's got very, very short fuse. I thought he'd done well to stay on the pitch, to be perfectly mm. honest. But... Yeah, like you say, the back four, I mean, Beckle still gives you the odd kitten, doesn't he, because he's so laid back. I mean, <laughs> you know, you've got your back to the walk barrow, and then, oh, Homer, I'd have a I stroll know, back, I you know, know what I mean? I know, <laughs> I know. That's what I said, I called him a sunbed and cigar player, you know. He just climbs off the sunbed, puts his cigar down, and then kicks the ball. It's, it's, it's just sometimes a little bit too cool, uh, you know, and uh, you do feel your heart rate going up with players like that. But, you know, you're also seeing players grow again, and I think uh, Dan Happy's one of those, Richard, that we've seen, that we thought, you know, We've said he's had his chance. He's, he, you know, we expected Dan to step up and, and move on, and he, I think by his own admission, he hadn't done. But I think uh, Wellens is bringing the best out of him here, along with Paul Terry. I mean, suddenly he's back at the races again, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I probably thought he was done after this season because the way Shad, I mean, Shad was probably for me, other than uh, Lawrence, I thought he was the best player last season. Certainly, probably the best outfield player we had last season, I think, overall. Um, and Dan Happy seemed to struggle, but but this season he's probably been our, our best performer. I don't think we've we've lost the game he's started. He's started, I don't think. I mean, the only games we've lost are when he's been rested or when he came off injured or whatever. So I don't think you can. I think he's pretty much the first name on the team sheet at the moment. I've got to be honest. I was saying another one I think's come through really well is um, he's taken his chance. He's Jaden Sweeney. You know, Hunt's been out. And Hunt's going to struggle to get back in in the form that Sweeney's in, I think, as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting, that one, because, I mean, Hunt is just so consistent. Yeah, he's been really good, isn't he? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have, I suppose. I but, say, I mean, but you name it, can you think of yeah. a particular mistake that Sweeney's made that would make yeah, you think I've thing, got to drop yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, but it's an ideal... You know, it's a, a problem a manager likes Trev because, you know, it's a difficult one for him. Uh, does he go back to the experience, if you like, and the guy who's been Mr. Reliable, 7.5 out of 10 pretty much every week? Or, like Karen said, Sweeney's not put a foot wrong, he's coming, he's grown. Does he stick with him? Does he change the, a winning team? You know, it's a difficult one, but it's a nice one, isn't it? It's a good problem. Well, for what we know of Wellens so far, I think once Hunt's fit, he goes straight back in because he's brought him to the football club, put him straight in over Woods and Sweeney. So as soon as he's fit, he's back in. That, that's my personal opinion and I probably don't think I'll be far wrong. Um, what Jaden's done, he's proved that he's on the bench every week, minimum, and he could come in and play the other side. And he, he's now a first-team player more than a first-team regular because... This is a squad game and we've got a good squad. But I, I do believe that once Hunt's fit, it'll be straight back in. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's gone. Sorry, Rich. Yeah, I mean, I say it's difficult. I mean, I think, you know, a month ago, or four games ago, five games ago, if someone had said that about Sweeney, I don't think any... I mean, me personally, again, this shows what, what I know about this. He was another one, along with Happy, I would have said, I don't think we'd see him again after this season. But the way he's performed in is it the last four games he's played, mm. I, I, you can't knock what he's done. I mean... I've got to be honest I'm not 100% sure I mean me personally yes I probably would still have Hunt in but I, I I don't know I mean I think the only changes we've really seen from Richie are when Satiri was struggling I think and that was obvious when Archibald came back in that that was going to happen but if Sweeney's playing well he doesn't strike me as a sort of manager that's going to drop a player who's playing well um, I mean Hunt still could be I mean to be honest he could be 
if we needed him, he could be fit for this weekend, say. But I think the fact that Sweeney's playing so well means we don't have to rush him back now. And he gets another couple of weeks rest and recovery. Um, I mean, we've got, the, as they call it, a busy Christmas period that will be coming up soon anyway. So, you know, there's no point rushing players back or anything. So, uh, I mean, I'm not 100% that he will put him straight in. Me, personally, I would. But, I mean, you know, Jane Sweeney's performing at a level that a month ago I wouldn't have thought he would have got to at Orient, to be honest, because... You know, say like he, he hadn't been given the chance, you could argue, but the rare occasions he had played, he, he just seemed like, you know, the kind of nervous youngster. And, and that's perfectly natural, to be honest. But now he's had that run of games that Richie's in, said in the interviews that they need. You can see exactly why he said they need to do this. and They need to put these players in and give them some games rather than 15 minutes here, one appearance there, then drop them. And, and it's, he's been proved right again. And this is the thing, I think, with Richie's interviews as well. Every time he, I listen to him, I'm just so impressed. Everything he says... Is, is, is basically spot on. It's, it's exactly mm. how I'm looking at it myself because normally these managers, they, they'll come out and they'll be like, I thought we were, you know, like Gareth Southgate's doing with England at the moment and you're mm. sitting there thinking, is he watching the same game as me? Mm. But I think sometimes Richie speaks and I think that's, that's exactly what I... I mean, he, I think he knows as well as I would say maybe we all know that we haven't had a 90-minute performance yet this season. This I wouldn't is say a frightening we, thing, Yeah, I mean, it? I wouldn't say we've In been lucky, way, but... Well, it's not that we've been lucky, yeah. Rich. I mean, you're sitting there with nine wins and a draw, and I think we all know that Orient haven't really got our second And gear. I think everyone would agree our yeah. best performance was the one that we actually drew as well. It well, was the one we go. didn't win, so... That you happens. Know, I mean, you can play brilliantly and lose, yeah. you know. I mean, we all know that can happen, but I mean, it's, it's almost frightening in a way that we haven't got our second gear, and there we are sitting on top of the table, which makes you wonder that, you know... If we open up, A, is somebody going to get a thrashing very, very soon? Um, and, and B, you know, we have got the ability perhaps to, to romp away with this if, if we have a bit of self-belief that we can. Well, I think the, the, what Richard said there about his interviews, you imagine Jaden Sweeney and Dan Happ are having his influence every single day of the week, telling them, you are good enough, you are good enough, you know what I mean? The previous manager... Had a little wander around the training ground, said good morning to people, and that's it. What kind of inspiration that is to a young professional making the way in the game. So hmm. he, he he's just a, a ball of energy, Wellens, isn't he? You know, and if he's telling everybody how good they are, and you you do this, you do that for me. Obviously, you'd be in the team. It can only have a, a great effect on the players and the squad. Complete opposite what we had of. Last year, allegedly, I'll have a little kick about with the boys and it's all good good stuff and that and no tactical stuff. You can imagine him pumping to these fellas day in, day out, what we're doing, game plan. Hmm. He, had, he knew what Barrow's game plan was, told them, they executed it. I mean, we may be sitting at home going, oh, we're going to be under the cost here. 25 minutes, there was only one team going to win that game. Hmm. I mean, we got a little bit lucky with a goal when you do see it as a deflection, but because I thought the keeper was... Should have been saving that, but it, you're going to need luck, Trev. You're going to oh, need no, luck. Oh, no, so, we're, we're, we're bags of it. I'll take it. Don't worry. Yeah. I mean, we have had a, I mean, so fair, luck, we have had a bit it. of luck. If we if we strip back a little bit and just look at those games that so far this season, Karen, there, there has been a, an element of quite a bit of luck early on, especially in games that could have gone the other way. But definitely, it's know. like we say earlier, you know, we're not really out of second gear yet. It doesn't feel like we've still got Drynan to come back as well, you know. He was top goal scorer last year, I think, wasn't he? So we've still got him to come back as well. So And then, so you've got, you know, do you play him or Kilman or do you play him or Smith? You know, it's how are you going to 
it's just a wonderful problem to have, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I say one of the things about Saturday, actually, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all. I think we said it last Wednesday was that Wareham would be in the squad. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I was kind of a bit disappointed he didn't make an appearance. I was, I think after the game he had on Tuesday, I'd like to have had like sort of 10, 15 minutes or something. Um, so I'd like to have seen him come on. Um, I do wonder whether he, because I think Richie said it afterwards, in his in, I mean, I know we'll listen to it after, but uh, he said in his interview that, they were asking Paul Smith if he was okay because he was, you know, he was down for a bit and he kept saying he was, he was. So that's when they took Kelman off for Drinnen and then they realised that Smith couldn't continue after that because he said, I would have kept Charlie Kelman on. But, you know, I'd have liked to have seen Wareham come on, especially at 2-0, you know. I know, you know, this is all, you know, I've <laughs> 2-4, 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go doesn't mean anything sometimes. But, um, you know, I think he showed enough on that Tuesday to... to to get a little cameo now on the, off the bench, I think, and, and maybe that'll come on Saturday. But I'm, I'm glad to see him in the squad because I, I just thought he looked so natural in that game on Tuesday. With that, Rich, I agree with you with the cameos, but I think Richie will know if they nick one in 81st yeah, minute. It, this is that, the Alamo was. I mean, I watched the highlights of their game v Bradford, and I think Bradford got one 90 plus four. They went up the over and got 90 plus seven winner. I mean, um, to win the game three two, so. Once you've made all your changes and the momentum comes and they, I mean, like we said about the crowd, Barrow don't play in front of 4,000 every week. So they would have had their tails up. So, yeah. but I think his time will come, especially yeah. if we can get a few goals on. And it's easy then for a young player to come on, but he looks the part anyway after the Sutton game. Yeah, well, I mean, it's another thing that we said last week, actually. I don't think we've used five subs up in a match yet, although you have to make it in three substitutions. You can, can use the four, but I think the most we've made is four. So... You know, that's another thing as well. I think we only made the three on Saturday. I mean, you know, one thing I do think is a lot of our subs, I think you can almost, unless there's an injury, you can almost guess what the subs are going to be. I think, you know, you know, Prattley's going to come off, Jordan Brown's going to come on, you know, Clay's probably going to come on for Monka, and you know that Drinnen's probably going to come on or Soteriu then for probably Paul Smith with his injury record. So, um, but I mean, you know, they, they make a difference when they come on, especially the two midfielders. Is one thing I've probably noticed more than anything, how effective they are when they come on. And I think, again, Richie said before that, you know, Craig Clay, for instance, says there's not a frustration, but he, he wants to play. You know, he's not complaining about it, but he wants to play. And, you know, how long do you... I mean, obviously, we saw on Barrow, actually, was it Darren Prattley when he came off? Because you could see how that ref was being. I mean, you know, I thought he wasn't great for either team, to be honest. I know, I, you know, I've seen what Barrow fans, he was biased to you, but I didn't think he was at all. I mean, I th actually thought, I and mean, Trev mentioned it about Theo Archibald. I, I didn't think he should have been sent off, but... I thought his first booking shouldn't have really been a booking for him. I thought he was fouled. Um, but then he maybe, the camera wasn't quite watching him for that second mm. one. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gave a little back for that as well. But um, it was certainly, for me, it was two yellows for, for their man as well. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it would be good to see five substitutes because I just think, you know, again, at 2-0, it, it would keep it fresh. But... You know, I think especially away at home, but we know what happens when yeah. we're two up away. I, I mean, the thing is, Trev, with uh, with someone like Archibald, you, you don't want to take away the fire in the belly, but he's he, he, disciplinary. He's got to be kept in check, hasn't it? Oh, no. I mean, I, I like the fireiness of him. And he, he didn't flinch, did he? Um, but he actually, this time, managed to walk away without getting the, the extra card, which could have sent him off. I mean, the, I think the, the Barrow players uh, put his right leg, kicked him. That's what I watched back, and you could just see him kick Archibald, and the referee had a good view of it and sent him off for that. He, he was on off the ball instant, and he, he kicked him. But uh, yeah, I like I like Archibald. I like any player with a bit of fire and a bit of uh, what you like to call it, just a li little bit different, isn't he? You know what I mean? Well, controlled aggression is the key word that you need, isn't it? Well, uh, 
to me, you know, I mean, it's nice to see a little bit of the S housery coming into our game because. <laughs> Because you I know, had to decipher I, that. S housery. What's she on about? S housery. Yeah. Sounds like a piece of clothing, yeah. doesn't it? Bit, yeah, I don't want to swear on radio, but it's um, it's nice to see some of it coming into our game because we've always been the ones that have you know fallen foul of it from other teams, but and we've never been really the ones giving it. And to actually see it happening, you know, and it's you know, I mean, I've spoken to Richie about it, and he said, "Do you like seeing it?" I said, "I do. I love seeing it." I said, "But I've just got to get used to seeing it." So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's nice to see it creeping puff. in. But, yeah. but you're saying about Archibald, you know, I mean, it's, it's the same sort of thing. He's got that fire in his belly. Don't get rid of that fire. Don't extinguish no, it. It's getting him but to... But he's controlling yeah, it, isn't it? Discipline him into I mean, that control Yeah, part. it's going to result in a suspension at some point. He's on four... I think him and James are on four yellows already. Or, uh, four reds, sorry, already. So, yellows? Yeah. Four yellows already. So, you know, they're one booking away each from a suspension. As long um, as it's not at the same time. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to be honest with you, whenever we play, you know, certainly away games, I, I always kind of, you know, what's the opposition fans saying about us online? And the one thing I've seen more than anything is how they talk about, I mean, so Barrow fans were saying this, and, I, you know, I didn't see this at all, but they were talking about, um, oh, you'd waste time like no team I've ever seen. I mean, we get it at home games. Every away team, I think, seems to... But that's how away games are played. So I, I don't get why these fans are complaining. I mean, if their team did it away, they'd, they'd be fine with it. If you don't go to away games, you probably don't see it as much. But I didn't think against Barrow. I mean, they, I saw something online that was, oh, from 20 minutes onwards, you were wasting time. And I mean, unless I don't really look at what wasting time is, or I don't know as much as everyone else knows. I've got, then I've got to say. I didn't maybe notice it. but We were pretty poor time wasting. It's one of my <laughs> bugbears. You, you pay your money and you want to see the ball in play. I mean, uh, I've watched the game out in France, the Orient out in France. And if they time waste out there, they're whistling and howling, get on with the game, you know, because that's what you're there to pay for. And we did waste time. We, we, we slowed it right down because they, it, it was good time wasting. If it's not like a good foul or whatever, that we, it was good time because we were getting battered, really. For that first 20 minutes, they had to take the sting out of Barrow. And then they did sort of just roll the ball away, take your time. Vigaru fell down, done all these bits oh, so and pieces sorry. like that. Oh, so but... It, it, it is a bugbear of mine. I hate time wasting, and, uh, and I, it's like I hate diving. I don't like seeing my own players. I don't like seeing time wasting. Be honest, mm. but you could see why they've done it. And I mean, but come on, we we went to the national league, and I think somebody come to the Brisbane Road and over time wasting after about four minutes. I mean, yeah. twenty minutes ain't bad to start time wasting. No, no, no. But, but I mean, the thing is, I think does it, the they? ball's only in play. I think about sixty minutes anyway, isn't it? So I mean, there's a lot. of people talking about the amount of time the ball's actually in. But you say time-wasting, at the end of the day, that's down to the officials to, to take note and decide how much they're going to add on, surely. Yeah, I think he actually pulled Prattley about saying, and I think Prattley did say saying, because then it resulted in a bit of a yellow leg, because they normally pulled a captain over, mm. and he, he pulled Prattley, and I said to, to Liam, I bet you he's saying about saying about the collective team time-wasting, because yeah. if they all do it sensibly, like you take it, and then the next bloke, well, it's different time wasting. Trevor, when we were young, obviously they had the back pass to the goalkeeper. So the goalkeeper would roll it out to the fullback. He'd kick it back to the goalkeeper. Yeah, Liverpool done that for half. 20 years, yeah. didn't they? And this was running the clock down. And, and you know, this, it's always gone on, hasn't it? But once again, it's down to the refs to, to add on any time that they feel that uh, should be added. Well, every game now is 100 minutes. I mean, especially hmm. now with five subs in the second half. I mean, every, every game now, it'd be... The ball goes up, it's six, seven, eight minutes, isn't it? You know what I mean? So if you get two in the first, I've eight in a second, it's ten, hundred minute football. That's why you need the squad as well, because the game is faster now from the days when people used to roll it back to the keeper and waste 15 minutes. Do you think hmm. 
These are, they're know. athletes, and yeah. they're, they're they're constantly running around. It's not like the the football we grew up in the seventies and eighties, strolling around, is it? It's, these mm. are proper specimen at, athletes now. It's, to be it's funny. I did mention this on a, on a, about a year or two ago. There's a documentary. I think it's you can see it on YouTube. BBC documentary, and it's called a a, a game. I think it's called a game of two halves or a game of two two something rubbers. Anyway, uh, and it. it Pitched the 1957 FA Cup final against the 2007. It's 50 years apart, and um, and what they did was they had the, the, because it was both were televised. They they put the stats in and they got the statisticians in. They did all the passes and they said, "Is the game faster or slower?" And everybody said, "Well, it's faster now." And they said, "Actually, it's not. It's the same level of pace from the players. is is pretty much on par," which was a surprise. What was different was the ball control and the retention of the ball because all the trainers were former RAF and Army PT trainers from the war, etc. in those days, you know, and they had the players doing star jumps and running around all week. And about Thursday, someone would get a bright idea and get a football out. <laughs> so their, their time on the ball, learning anything, was, was minimal. Running around, they did it all week and they got really fit. So, and you watch this game and, and it's like, they pass it, they lose it, they lose it, they pass it, they lose it. And it's like, my God, it's almost unwatchable, you know. And someone puts four passes together, it's like a miracle, you know. So, totally different. But when you said about the game being slow, it was an interesting fact that they came up. It's, it's an optical illusion, if you like. The actual pace with 50 years ago is roughly the same. It's, um, it's, it's the ability of the players that's been improved. The technical ability, obviously, helped by the ball not being a lead weight and, <laughs> and uh, things like that. But the technical ability and the time spent on the ball and training with the ball is, is now obviously the majority of the time. So um, it's, it's just the way it's changed. Yeah, it's an interesting point, but I'm not sure many people done uh, the old backflips when they scored a goal in 1957. Oh, like I'd Aaron. shoot him if I was a manager. I'd say, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, because I'm not being funny. When he does that, you think, my God, one slip, and you're probably going to put yourself out for well, six weeks. Don't you weeks. remember yeah. FEH Echonomi did the same, and he did it, and, and didn't he injure himself in a warm-up in the end? Yeah, he? well, lots of players have done, yeah. I mean, remember, other players have been in the warm-up. I mean, it's, it's quite embarrassing, when I do, isn't it? Anyway, let's, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's um, hear what... Uh, Richie Wellens had to say after that victory, speaking to Dave Victor. Richie, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Your side worked so hard for that very important victory. Yeah, first half an hour was a struggle. Um, they started with a real, real tempo, real energy. Something good going on here. Pete's done a fantastic job. You know, a big crowd for them today. Um, so it was tough first half an hour. We had to dig in. We, we knew that the game was going to change a little bit um, because we didn't feel that them intensity levels could be kept up by Barrow. Um, we got a goal around 30, 33, 34, I can't remember what it was, but then the four minutes before that, we won every second ball. We started to get a few patterns of, of play which we wanted to work on, um, and then we scored a goal, and then we see the first, out, uh, first half pretty comfortably, and second half, team of men, real good decisions, real professional away performance, deserved the 2-0 win. I thought second half, I was proud to stand on the sideline with them lads, and especially in front of, you know, these had a good crowd, but for 258 supporters to travel, you know, prices of trains and what have you, which is an absolute disgrace at the moment. Um, you know, brilliant. I'm, I'm pleased for them, obviously. I hope they, they enjoy the weekend because they deserve it. 258 to come up here on, is fantastic. And the two goals were both of real quality. Yeah. Well, so we, we knew that... We, what, the reason why we, we picked this team, I spoke to Luke before, and is we wanted to go on the outside of them. For the first 15 minutes, they were pretty much a counter-attacking team. 
for the first 15 minutes we want to go inside give the ball away in the middle of the pitch always run the risk of getting countered um, and that was the first time that, that Theo goes on the outside of, of Warren um, and we knew that when we went on the outside of these the two centre halves do sink in so we knew that pullbacks was was on um, it's something that we worked on in training yesterday um, and then El Mazzuni's got a second ball and, and scored from the edge of the box so really pleased with the goals but the whole squad before our subs are really good um, so again I'm, I'm just proud of these lads and another clean sheet another clean sheet um, I'm trying, I think George Ray had a, an opportunity from a set play um, and he had a little bit in the first 15 minutes where but part of the second half so comfortable against a good team um, there's not many teams will come here and win especially with the um, logistics and the things that go with it getting up here it's a difficult place to come on like I said Pete's got them going it's something good the atmosphere's good uh, a team full of energy with them front four so um, really pleased with a win we match, their, we match their energy we match their effort and um, you know we look a good powerful team and another very mature performance from Jaden Sweeney well everyone I think the two full backs in the first 20 minutes struggled really struggled stretch didn't shift um, body shape was wrong when the contact was coming the two the two um, the two rigid in the way they didn't bend the feet so he was leaning in and it was, and it was, and it was difficult for us um, but I think him and Jordan going to the game Beck's the same going to the game Dan App was outstanding again so again our back four even though we've had to make late changes the foundations of, of Beck's Dan Hap and, and Viggs obviously older's in place but the two young fullbacks have come and done well Barrow finished the game with 10 men because of two yellow cards to one player yeah. I think in the space of two minutes is that why you took off Darren Prattley? yep no, I can hear Pete shouting. It's just the inconsistency of the referee, which I agree. And as soon as you run the risk, you know, perhaps he's, an, he's all out, he's all action. And you know, with them big long legs that he's got, that any little ricochet for them and, and he brings someone down, the referee's liable. So, again, White, Craig, when he comes on, every decision was spot on, whether it be turn him, whether it's to take a touch and play, whether it was to be kicking off people to get a throw in or wherever it may be, Craig was outstanding. So, um, when you've got that team ethic and you've got that squad ethic, why not use it? So Pratt is running the risk. Let's get Craig on. And Paul Smith came off. Is that because of an injury? No, I mean, every time I looked over to Smudge, I, I, he was struggling a little bit. Is your knee OK? Yeah, I'm fine. Is your knee OK? Yeah, I'm fine. We make the substitution to bring Kelman off and put Drinan on. And then he, he goes down injured. So I would have bought Drinan on for him and kept Kelman on because I thought every time we counted on, we looked like scoring. So, um, yeah, hopefully it'll be just a... I think he just scored a goal. He wants a bit of love. Everybody wants to play at the moment. That's a nice problem to have. What's the extent of the injury for Tom James? He just felt his calf in training yesterday, so obviously with a, with a six-hour journey up. Um, what we didn't want to do is get into the, the realms of a Rob Hunt situation where, OK, let's give it a go, and then he's out for four weeks. So full-back, a little bit short with Adam Thompson as well. Um, so, yeah, don't, don't run the risk and let's just be professional. And Obviously, we know what Jordan Brown can do, whether it be midfield or at right-back, and, and the thought Jordan perform really well I think this victory sets yet another club record how psychologically important is that the O's now have their lead at the top of the table I've not looked at the league table I don't really care about psychology um, complacency is a disease and that's what I don't want to set in we come here I thought we looked complacent for the first 15 minutes as if we are just going to turn up and win but you know I trust these lads we hung in there for a, a 10 minute 10 minute spell and the game turned and then like I said um, full of men full of great attitudes full of people that are proud to play for this football club and put the work ethic in and I thought that stood out second half. Newport County next weekend back at Fortress Brisbane Road what is the team news there in terms of other injuries is Rob Hunt going to be available for that one Adam Thompson? Not sure Um, Aunt George will be out for four weeks and uh, Tomo obviously have said that um, he's 
basically we need to wait till Tomo gives us his plan to fit it. Plan. Do you know what, what injury is it with your heel? Plant to fit. Plant to that's the one yeah I didn't want to get done for saying a word that was offensive to anyone so that's that's what he's got and um, we, it's up to him to, to tell us when he's fit to train but yeah at the moment the only area is full backs but the Sweens and John done really well today thank you very much no Richie. well done and I caught me out there didn't you you caught me out. I was on the other side of the desk. A quick run around there to get, to get back in time. There we go. Dave Victor talking to uh, Richie Vellas. Don't you stop laughing at me, you lot. That's rotten, that was. Really caught me out. And in fact, uh, let's hear from Dave Victor with this week's Victor's View, shall we? I know it's one of the oldest cliches in football, but league tables really do start to mean something after 10 matches. So now is probably a good time to look in more detail at what the tables tell us. Orient's start to the campaign is, of course, incredible. Richie Wellens men's setting club and now league records. The gap that the O's have established between themselves and landmark positions, impressive and could be so important when issues are decided in May. A five-point lead at the top, a seven-point advantage over those challenging for the precious automatic promotion places. The O's now an astonishing 11 points ahead of those clubs seeking to reach the playoff positions. No wonder records are being shattered. So what are the other tables? Well, the League 2 home table is tighter. Lake Noyant ahead on goal difference, sharing 15 points with Stevenage and Northampton. The O's and the Borough, the only clubs in the league, still to have a 100% record, having played five times in front of their own supporters and winning on each occasion. Northampton have played six, but they lost to Doncaster. And of course, it's Richie Wellens' men who are top of the away table. A point better off than Grimsby, whose only away day setback came in E10. The Mariners have won all four on the road since then. The form table sees Orient top again, having won their last six. Bradford City, second, four wins, two draws. Swindon closing fast, securing three straight league victories. Of the current top ten, late Orient have beaten Grimsby, Mansfield and on Saturday... Barrow, a comprehensive display which demonstrated the character and quality of this side. For over 30 minutes, Leighton Orient had to absorb Barrow's pressure before shattering the deadlock with the first real opportunity. Paul Smith taking his personal tally to four after Theo Archibald had provided the all-important assist. The O's continued to ensure that goals are shared. Idris Omazuni opening his account. A fourth successive clean sheet for Lawrence Vigrou. Leighton Orient's defence... The best of the 72 in the EFL. An important and challenging month now awaits. October will see fixtures against three of the current top ten. Starting with our next away match, a journey to Richie Wellen's last club, Doncaster Rovers, currently eighth. That's followed by the visit of Northampton. The Cobblers have Sam Hoskins, the current league top goal scorer, with 11. And we finish the month with a journey to one of the another of Richie's former clubs, Salford City. But first, it's Newport at Brisbane Road. County still adjusting to life under James Roadbury, whose coaching career started earlier than most. Eight years ago, he became the youngest person to achieve the UEFA Pro Licence. Newport is Roadbury's first managerial post, taking charge at Rodney Parade just 
about a year ago. Under his direction, the Exiles have won 20 of his first 50 games. They're currently 18th following Saturday's home draw with Carlisle. It's now four without a win in the league. But the former Bristol City coach has enjoyed success in the League Cup. His side faced Leicester City in the third round, having knocked out both Luton and Portsmouth. It was good to hear Richie Wellens warm about the dangers of complacency following Saturday's victory. He knows that those high expectations, the strong work ethic and the determination to win must be maintained if the O's are to continue to take the lead. It could be a magnificent season. These are exceptional and exciting times for the Orient faithful and I'm looking forward to returning to Fortress Brisbane Road on Saturday. Well, I didn't get caught out this time, did I? See, nothing happens twice. There we are. Thanks, Dave, uh, for this week's Victor's View. And uh, some important little uh, snippets there that Dave dropped in that we've neglected to mention so far. I mean, credit to the keeper, Karen, a fourth clean sheet. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's, this is hours and hours now. I mean, I've been out of six hours and uh, not let a goal in is a long time. Quite easily the best keeper in League Two. Well, easily. Could be better than I was going to say, maybe even League One. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, mean, I think it's better performance than uh, we saw the other night against Germany. <laughs> I was there for that, so ah, yeah, thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, in all seriousness, the defence, Trev, I mean, we, you've got to give credit, which you, I mean, it's obviously a team effort and the midfield's been doing its bit to get in there, but, you know, the best defensive record in the 72, and that's got to be, you know, applauded, hasn't it? I mean, that's uh, terrific. And we all talk about goals, 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 but... You know, you've got to, it's a whole thing, isn't it? There's some of the parts and the best record out of all 72 football clubs, big budget, no budget, we're in there with the top of that. Well, yeah, but you, all the best teams start in defence, don't they? I think earlier in the season, we were doing preview programmes or whatever. And I think even Mr. Pandemonium put on his Twitter account, what do you think this year? I said, well, I think we're going to get a used to a lot of 1-0 to the Orient because we weren't convinced about our strikers, should we say. Mm-hmm. In the early part of the season, we all worry about Smythe because of his injury problems. Kelman was an unknown. Um, obviously, Drynan was injured and then Big Smith went off to Exeter. Satorio sort of proven but not prolific as such, only in short spells. So we were sort of sitting there thinking... Well, if we keep, we keep a good clean sheet or keep it tight at the back, you've always got a chance of winning football matches. And and that's so far it's been proven uh, correct because we've yet to any, really destroy anybody. But that, that, that will come, hopefully, with the flowing football because of the sheer pace we've got up front once we win the ball. And Malman Kerr's nearly fully fit and he's got his partner in there, El Mizuno. Um, it, it, football's all about partnerships, isn't it? You know, and... And it seems that that bit's clicking, but I, I, I did think we would be be strong at the back because, let's be honest, most of those players have been in around each other for a year, whether Happy was good or bad last season, but they have been at the football club because somebody asked me the other night who was left from the National League, and I think Dan Happy's the only one, isn't he? Sergeant as well, probably. Sergeant, probably, yeah. So Yeah, he's not playing regularly, though, Sergeant, is he? I mean, Happy's in yeah, the team. Yeah, it's true, and Sweeney, maybe. Was he was he around or not playing? You know, well, he probably, probably would have been a youth player, I suppose. Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, just no. It's just somebody asked me that question. I thought, oh, yeah. I thought it was just Dan Happy. Actually. Well, it's a big jump up, Trevor. As, we, as the, as yeah, yeah, the yeah. team found out when they mm, came up, yeah. I mean, it's a big step up. As as you know, Southport, oh, Southport, yes, uh, Stockport, well, rather, 
uh, finding uh, out, aren't of they? Finding out this big uh, money, pray rich to go up and yeah. uh, seven eight from bottom, aren't they? Yeah, so. I mean it's, it's it's and Barrow did when they came up. You know, it's it's uh, it's a big jump up, and we struggled at first as well when we came up. And it is a big step up. You know, you've got to keep finding this twenty five thirty percent improvement every time you. You, you go up a, a division. Yeah, it's funny actually because I, sometimes I look, still look at the non-league or I'm still members of a few forums on there and stuff and, and the amount of fans there that say there's literally no difference between non-league and league two no, and I just think, you know, <laughs> wait till you go up. I mean, it's very, very rare. I know it can happen um, but it's very rare that a team's going to go straight up I mean, Grimsby, you know, you probably wouldn't have said out the teams that went up last year, they would be the ones that were probably mm. like higher than anyone else. At the, mm. You know, you would have thought we were doing Stockport, would have been flying away a bit, but Grimsby are sort of, mm. you know, they, they lost to us first day. It's only recently, like Trevor Sand, have just lost two games, but they hadn't lost until, until, for the first eight games, we were the only game they lost. Maybe but, the, um, everybody is obsessed with budgets. I mean, Kent, who you may have on next week, and he tells you about budgets galore. Because Stockport got big budget, oh, they're going to win the league. Well, it don't always work that way, does it? You know, I mean, it generally does in the high end of football. Only Leicester have bucked the trend in recent years, haven't they? That the team with the most money wins the league, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, and, San, and I think the thing with Stockport as well is their manager. You know, Challenger. I think everyone's thinking he's a he's a good manager as well because you saw what he was. It was Hartlepool. He was at he was at Fold with when they yeah. beat us, and they and. You know, he's, he seems to be he seems to be proven at that non-league level rather than League Two, which is again another sort of step up for the managerial side. So, you know, I was reading something in the week that said that possibly they're even considering, you know, pulling the trigger on him because of the fact of where they are, which I think would be insane. But, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, if they don't go up this season, I'd be very surprised if they're not up there. It's, it's that that second season is generally when you're you're bedded in. As long as they don't go down this season, they'd be mad, I think, because next so year they'll do well. Just do a bit of consolidation and yeah, exactly, you know stake yeah. their place in the league. But um, you're saying about the, the, there being no difference between, or supporters thinking there's no difference between National League and uh, League Two. It's probably because they're jealous they've not, half of them probably haven't even seen League Two. So. Yeah, I think a lot of them base it on, you know, our fan bases, you know, we should be, we, we, get, we average 6,000, you know, you know, Wrexham's and Notts Counties and yeah. Chesterfields and South Ends. Yeah, but Ends they've all been there 10 years plus, haven't they? So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is a big argument. I, I did see one on Twitter. They're saying that it should be three up, three down. But mm. you're going to say that when you're down there. When you're yeah. in League Two, you're not going to be saying that's that. That's it. It's like Turkey's voting for Christmas, <laughs> isn't it? You know what I mean? So I mean, they've done well to get two, in my opinion. But you either make yeah, it. I up. can't see that changing. No, well, me doesn't. Yeah. Well, that was down to um, Stevenage's owner, wasn't it? Uh, Philip Wallace. He would campaign for a long time to get two. But I mean, my, my view sometimes, you know, you, these the, the, the football league clubs are established professional full-time outfits they're designed everything's the infrastructure's there and some of these other clubs are flying up quickly and they haven't got the infrastructure really in place sometimes you know and I don't think there's no history of being in the league I mean it's a you know I'm not saying it's it's a closed shop but uh, I don't know I, I, you know you see some sides coming you just they're just non-league football clubs. You know, you get to their stadium, you think, what the hell is this place? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. the thing is, though, you, we've had various like chatters on our WhatsApp. You could argue that Sutton United, this is one of my pals' view of it, mm. not mine, they've probably got more fans in the vicinity of their stadium that walk to the ground, this, that and the other, than probably a lot of established League Two sides. I mean, our fan base is in Essex Scattered, now. How yeah. many people like me walk to the ground every week? No, there's not that many. But I suggest nobody 
if you support Sutton, you virtually come from Sutton, don't you? So there yeah. is that side to it. I mean, it's it's not a great ground and it's in the middle of nowhere away from the station. But these teams, they come and uh, you, you'd have to give the little tick to Sutton because they've not actually thrown loads of money. I mean, you see how much Wrexham are piling into it. I mean, we, we'd all have a little chuckle oh, if they... Just... They'd blow it again, oh, wouldn't yeah. we? Darren yeah, said, just... didn't he, the Barrow game, that one of, the, one of our goals, the only reason he knew we scored was because the players came running over to the, the fans. <laughs> they couldn't see it because there's a pole in the way. He said yeah. it was just like, you know, it's still a non-league ground, really. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on it. It stuff. is a strange old ground. When, you know, when I went up there, it is a strange old ground. It's, it's, it seems to be in a time war, but it seems to be still how it was in 1970 or something. But you're saying about you the, know. Um, you know, Two teams going down and and you know swipping over between uh, League Two and National League. There was something in the last day or so on the on the uh, sports channels. I'm not sure if it was Sky Sports or Talk Sport or one of them, one of the ones I watch and listen to. But they were saying about you know they were t- trying to do. I think it might have been in the rugby. They're trying to do something where the t- the elite teams the elite, don't get relegated. Don't get relegated. Uh, rugby league. I saw that today. Yeah. yeah. And you know when you just think, well, well, hang on a minute. Like you say, it's, it's closed shop then, isn't it? So I don't want to go down that route. So yeah. you know, stick with the two that we've got. I, I see. I see that argument a lot. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you, you, you know, they're just. I mean, I, I think when we beat. Um, I can't remember which, one of the teams we've beaten. There's so many we've beaten this season. I'm losing oh, track. But oh, flippant. One, one, of the teams we, uh, one of the teams we've beaten this season, I saw one of their fans say something like, I think it was a Rochdale fan online, and he put, I can't believe we've lost to a non-league team. And I just thought, how can anyone, unless he's like five or six, or how can anyone think that all in a non-league team? But, mental age might be yeah, five and or I was six. Like, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> but did, you know, does that yeah. mean, because in fact, actually, one of the last home games, my dad turned around to me and said, oh, do you remember when Tranmere were non-league? And I was adamant they'd never been non-league. Yeah. And I looked up and, and it was only in the last yeah. 10 years, I think, mean, like, if that. And I, I just got no memory of it. I don't remember them going down. I don't remember yeah. them coming back up. And yeah. I thought well, I'd be quite good. I was, I was really annoyed, actually. <laughs> he was right. I was wrong. I was so sure I was right. But, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he said like it was only six years ago or something. And but you know, a lot of these teams. I remember, you know, when I was younger, Lincoln up and down, Colchester up and down. You know, Cheltenham have done it, Exeter have done it up and down. Yeah, there's a few teams yeah. that, are, that are doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. going to be like that. But uh, just one, I did want to note I did make earlier, and, and the little subject I just thought just touch on it because um, there's been managerial changes already this season uh, in in the league. You know, we we played what some clubs. Uh, dismissed their manager after four games and things like that. Is it time for there to be a transfer window for managers where you can't get rid of a manager unless it's, say, January, where he's had half a season to prove himself or disprove himself and a replacement has a fair crack at the whip? I mean, is it time to do something like that, Trev? No. No? No, not at all. I mean, if you run a business and it's going wrong, oh, let's give them another another three months. It could be the difference of you going under than not. I mean, if you put the wrong bloke in charge... Should you be going as well, then? Well, <laughs> well, then we wouldn't have a board, would we? Because we've got, we've got a bit of a history of putting a couple of dud managers in, haven't we? But no, I think if you run a football club, you've got every right to sack the manager whenever you want. Because... He is the one that's leading thing because if, if your team's doing well, everybody comes with the turnstile. If the team's doing bad, nobody comes with the turnstile. It, it, it goes okay. in harmony when you run a football club. You know what I mean? What goes out on the pitch, if it's good, people come and watch. If it's, if it's rubbish, you don't. So 
Transfer window managers, no, I totally disagree. Okay, and the other point I brought up is because it, it's now really its head. Uh, we did discuss it, or, well, we didn't discuss it. Trevor said that's rubbish, and that was the end of it. No, we we, um, we did touch on the subject uh, back in the summer that with the electricity bills going up and up, that uh, perhaps early kickoffs, certainly in the lower divisions, uh, would probably be a beneficial for the for the smaller clubs now. Second to that, Trev, because I'll come to you with that if you don't mind, is that I think the clubs will also, it'll be bad for other businesses in the area, like the cafes and things like that, because I think people won't leave particularly any earlier if it's one o'clock kickoff. They will leave at their, their time, and instead of going to the cafe, they'll eat them food at the ground instead. You know, So the clubs could reap some more sales, of uh, off-sales, if you like, of food and drink. Um, but is it, is it not a sensible thing that they could save thousands of pounds um, at the moment, clubs across the board, especially, obviously, the smaller clubs as well. I mean, this is a debate, isn't it? Of course, that it'd have to be across the board championship down one o'clock. We agreed that on the WhatsApp group, didn't we, when we were sort of talking about this. But, so, Barrow, one o'clock kickoff. Mm, great. Hartlepool, one o'clock kickoff. We still got to go there. We still got to go Carlisle. I know it's the same for all the teams, but the logistics of... It's an entertainment business. We want to be entertained. We all like to go football. People work hard. They want to go to the game. Traditionally, it's been three o'clock. These teams pay a hell of a lot of money to their players and they can't keep the lights on. Come on. I think if you stay at three o'clock, it's, I mean, Mansfield are the first ones to do this. I mean, they're big spenders and they can't keep the lights on. I'm sorry. I totally disagree with it. I can see the reason why people like it. And I've got one question to Kevin. If it does happen... What would happen to the supports club? Is it going to be available that you guys can open early? I don't know what your licensing laws are, but that also affects what the great supporters club give to the club. If we don't drink enough pints, I mean, this is a serious point <laughs> that we need to, to wind out. Like you said about the cafes, it's mm. people look forward to Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not preferable. I'm not saying it's preferable, Trev. I mean, we all prefer the traditional three o'clock kickoff, and I don't think anybody would like to see it change. But I think, you know, needs must. And as you say, fine, okay, some professional clubs might be able to cope, but certainly coming down from that, and you're going down into the, the, the leagues where they get like 80 people, 150 people to turn up and watch, and they've got these lights on costing them hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You know, 80 people, we get more than 80 at Brisbane Road. No, yeah, step six, seven, eight, and I'm nine talking all about, day long. No, I'm we're talking, talking about, about EFL. We, we, can't, we can't shift, shift the, the balance from what we're talking. We're talking the top four divisions, well, second, third, and fourth division, as I like to call them. Nothing else. Don't go anywhere else with this argument, because at the end of the day, when you're putting out 15 grand for your Mansfield striker and you can't keep the lights on, I think it's a poor argument. All right, fair enough. <laughs> He's, he's good, isn't he? Especially when there's solo do you, events. You don't want to be well. Chancellor, do you? <laughs> he's quite good, isn't he? <laughs> you know, and it, and it, it, it comes to the um, sustainability thing, doesn't it? It's like, okay, I kind of understand why they want to do it at one o'clock. They want to save the money, but I completely agree with Trevor because, you know, not only that, you've got to think about the fans travelling across the country as well. If we're going to Barrow, Carlisle, Hartlepool, we're leaving at eight o'clock already in the morning to get there for three o'clock. So... You know, everything else needs to fall into place as well. It's not just the the and you know you've got to think as well. The players driving up in the, in the coach. The, okay, sometimes they stay overnight if it's the longer distance ones. Well, they can't they? But 
Sorry, you weren't near the mic then, Trev. Sorry. Sorry, I said they can afford, the the teams can afford the coach overnight. I mean, we've we've had Nigel Travis coming on telling how much we were paying in COVID for two buses to go to whatever away game. So these league clubs putting this out, I, I mean, I don't know. But anyway, what would happen to the supporters club? Any idea, Kevin? Well, so just thinking on the hoof and, and thinking from personal experience, because uh, where my husband is the bar manager, he actually leaves home at seven o'clock every Saturday to get the bar ready for midday. So if he's trying to get the bar ready for <laughs> earlier... On a Friday night. Sounds like 5 I was going to say, if anybody wants to buy him or rent out a flat for him at Brisbane Road, then we might consider it. All right. But I think it would probably be a case of it wouldn't be open before, but it would probably end up open for a little bit longer afterwards. OK, all right. Well, Dave did rattle off a few of the upcoming fixtures and I think this is going to be a telling little uh, period of matches here Rich Newport, Doncaster, Northampton Salford uh, that's you know on paper I mean y- you would expect with our form to pick up at least maybe 7-8 points at minimum on, on those games. On our form I'd expect 12 I think. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm saying I'm trying to be realistic and I hate that word realistic because you know. uh, Yeah I mean I'd look at that and say certainly the next two are more than winnable uh, Newport at home. I mean I, you know I'm, I'm you know I've been following us for too long to say that we're going to win any games but um, you know you'd think Newport at home the way we are this season Doncaster will be interesting because obviously Richie's team from last season mm. and I don't think he's got I know that he's a bit of a club legend there, but their fans haven't been particularly great about him and, and what he did last season there. You know, oh, you'll struggle next season, he's rubber, you know, all this sort of stuff. But I think they're having issues with their own manager. Um, but certainly the two after that, Northampton and um, Salford, uh, they'd probably be two of my tips to, along with Mansfield, to be the top three well top three or four with us this end of this season you I still think, think Salford are going to get that. well Northampton's the team that I think uh, or I tipped at the start of the season I still think they'll be the ones to I mean having seen Mansfield saying that you know they've been we haven't played obviously the others yet but Mansfield have impressed me more than anyone did last season the whole of last season as well um, so and I think Richie said it himself didn't he that if you finish above Mansfield you'll probably gonna get there. yeah you'll either win the league or basically go up yeah well I mean because I, I look here Trevor and Karen, you know, great if you win the league, but the gap, which what I'm looking at, is fourth to where we are. You know, that's all that matters is next season you're playing a division higher. If you get a trophy, great, but the most important thing is obviously, I always call it the footballing toilet. Look out of the footballing toilet and get up a division, you know. So, I mean, who's the teams that you think? Karen are going to stand out there. Well, I think I think Northampton definitely because you've got Hoskins, haven't you, playing there and he's scoring for fun, isn't he? So. Reminds me of Dean Cox actually every time I see him. <laughs> it's just not quite as good. Yeah, and and again, you know, like you say, Salford are always one a team that people think are going to be there or thereabouts because of their backing and whatever. But I think those teams are going to be more worried about Leighton Orient than we are going to be worried about them because yeah. we've got the edge on them. You know, we're five points clear. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so, you're going to come a point where you do you do drop a a, a game, but um, you know, the longer we can keep it going, the, the better. I mean, Trevor, I mean, we are to be feared, aren't we, by the opposition rather than worry about them? Well, of course, yeah. I mean, that run of games, Doncaster, Northampton, and Salford, I'd I'd like them not to be back to back because you you sometimes feel you know they are three rivals, especially not in order. Obviously, Northampton, then Salford, then Doncaster. Playing them all back-to-back, that means Richie's got to get them up for three weeks running, which is going to be a tough call. And they're going to be probably quite bruising games as well, so we could pick knocks up. But not, well, we all agree, they've got to fear us. And I'm with you, I always look at fourth place. We're seven clear of that. 
And that means everybody in fourth and below have got to win three games to get above us, and we've got to lose three games. The way we're going, the magical 10 games of the season, which me and Steve Tung have spoken about, we haven't lost one. Yeah. We haven't lost nothing. So, you know, the next 10 games, if we only lost one, What's yeah. the position I mean, going to be like? We know from 2014 that, you know, you can't count your chickens because well, things can go wrong. But yeah, this but is as good a start as we could have hoped for. Yeah, but it? Wolves had how many million? Brentford had oh, how many yeah, million? That's the difference, yeah. I think. Uh, uh, yeah. You I'm, knew they were going to do it. I, don't, I can't see that with many It's actually teams. funny Trev mentioned that because I was talking to someone earlier and I said, you know, you, you, I think I had, a, what's it, a 13 million parachute payment or something, you know. And he said, well, you've got 46 games. And it's like, you know, racing somebody... In, in your Ford Fiesta and they've got a Porsche and they get a 13 mile head start on a 46 mile race who's going to win <laughs> you know? I mean it's, it's ridiculous it's so one sided these, these sort of let's things. put it one way if we get 89 points this season we will go yeah, up we've got 89 and it grates me forever <laughs> to get that many points 89 points I think we got in League 1 in League 1 not League 2 in 89 points you know what I mean? yeah. just it grates me every time I see that table was it 86 or 89 I thought it was 86. Yeah, one of the other. It was a lot. <laughs> when was the last one? We've got 80 points apart yeah, from that yeah. season. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting I mean, the playoffs, so you get 70 something, isn't it? You know? So, anyway, let's cut <laughs> to the chase here. Let's go around the table. Newport on Saturday. Richard, your prediction? Uh, I'll go for another win. I'll, I'll, I'll probably say 1 0, I think. 1 0 win. 1 0. Right, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write this down and keep you to it. Rich, 1 0. Yeah. Karen? I'm going to say 3 1, or yeah. Oh. I think they, I think we'll probably go. We've conceded. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. I think I'll go three-one. <laughs> okay. Because I, th- I think we'll go one up. I think they'll equalise, and then we'll just go hell for leather. Wow. All right. I would just go for a bruising home win. I think they uh, may, may come and try and rough us up a little bit and uh, get under our skins if we can hold it together. I think we'll win. I think we'll win comfortably. There you go. I'm yeah. not giving you a score. Oh, comfortable. Yeah. Oh, come on, win. everyone else is. Got to play okay. the game. Let's have 4 0, Sam. 4 0. Do you know yeah. what? I was going to say 3 0. But um, <laughs> there we go. So between the four of us, they've only scored one goal and they've conceded uh, <laughs> 11. <laughs> right, OK. Listen, Trevor, lovely to see you as usual. Thanks for coming in. Karen, same. Thanks for coming in. And Rich, and most of all, of course, thank you to all of you for listening. We'll leave with Barry Galvin and the theme tune, E10. Ta-ta, everyone. Have a great week. We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. And you know where we can be found when Saturday comes again. We'll be trying to do our best to cheer all those on who wear the best. Whatever challenge, whatever test, we'll lay an Orient from E10. Lay an Orient from E10. This is our club and we are proud. So sing it up and sing it loud. We were formed in 1881. Clancy Orient and so begun The old story and on it runs We're late and Orient from E10 Whatever challenge has come our way The only faithful are here to stay We will live to fight another day We're late and Orient from E10 
Like an Orient from ten This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around So get nowhere we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the vest On the hour, across Brentwood and Billericay This is Phoenix FM News.